Hello, Scoopsters. Welcome back to another episode of A Pod Named Scooby-Doo. And guess what? This is an audio-only podcast. It'll be up everywhere, like normal, but it is audio-only. And why is that? Well, it's a special episode. Today, we just have me, Ben. Kaylee's not on today because I am here joined by my mother. Woohoo! <laughs> my mom, Shari Kessler. We're going to talk all things Scooby-Doo. And we're looking at a photo of Scooby-Doo from the original series. And I think that's a great, I just did a segue for myself. Mom, you were a 70s child. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, 70s, hello everybody. (laughs) 70s, well, my teens were in my 80s. So... 70s for early childhood. Yeah, and yeah. I think we can say that Scooby-Doo is an early childhood. We could, we're we're going to talk about that because you're an early childhood expert. Yes. But something I was really curious was I watched Scooby-Doo because you put it on when I was a kid. So I really wanted to know, did you watch Scooby-Doo when That's you were a kid? A question. I was just thinking that in my head. No. <laughs> no. Why didn't I? Well, we've talked about this a lot, about what you did. So what did you watch Saturday morning cartoons? Sunday morning, what did you watch? Were they on Saturday mornings? I think so. I don't know if it was part of that lineup. Wow. Saturday morning cartoons. I remember watching the, the superheroes, Wonder Twin Powers, Activate, and Form Of, and they would touch each other's hands and wonder woman i don't recall scooby-doo interesting Hmm. so then you have kids and i became obsessed with scooby-doo as a kid you did i played with a lot of the toys yeah i don't know when it started you i'm gonna put up a photo during this of my second birthday cake yes which was scooby-doo so by my second birthday it was clear that i was obsessed Mm -hmm. with scooby-doo so i'm really curious we talked a little bit about this the other day do you remember when you started putting on Scooby-Doo, why, or why, like, did you notice that I just liked it a lot? And you're like, I'm just going to put I this on? I just can't remember because you have an older sister. Yes. And all of her things that she watched were always on. And the house was uh, influenced by girly, feminine princesses. And... Barney. So I can't remember how the house, as for a two-year-old boy, turned from your sister's frilly girlish things to putting on something like Scooby-Doo. I don't remember how that evolved in the house. What you got lucky. (laughs) What do you remember? about do you remember anything scooby-doo related because something i ask all the guests at the start of this is if they watched scooby-doo when they were a kid which you didn't but if they remember what their favorite was and we talked again about this a little while ago from me watching it so much is there anything that you remembered and being like because you were you're an adult at this time anything that you liked or saw and were like oh that's kind of you know fun for a kid and then we'll get into your early love of early childhood teaching and development and you know it's what you studied so do you remember any specifics you were talking about cyber chase the other day 
So for me, yeah. Well, Cyber Chase didn't come on until many years. It was late nineties. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I only remember you watching. That. Yeah, I'm saying like but, from overall, me, you, just anything. Everything is just through you. I have no remembering of being younger, of watching it, having it on in the house, having any toys of it when I was little at all. And it looked vaguely familiar to me when you started to become completely obsessed by it. But I was thrilled because we only have girls in our family. The whole, all the generations of girls, you were the first boy. And I was terrified of having a boy, of boys like cars, they like matchbox cars, they like sports. I didn't like any of that stuff and everything back then was labeled, which it isn't today, but boys did this, boys liked this, that's how it was back then and I knew nothing. But when you got into television and you got, which I love television, and you got into characters and stories and Scooby-Doo, I was thrilled couldn't be happier for those listening my mom pointed at a photo of scooby-doo which we're both staring at yes. of the original scooby-doo series Creeper. so i want to talk to you because you were talking about uh, a question i had was as a kid you know there's so many now children's programming even when i was growing up there was still there's there was a lot of children's programming when you grew up not as much there were you know seven eight shows you choose sure. what you're watching but when there's so many why do you think that you know in 2002 I was so enamored by Scooby-Doo because you talked a lot about the predictability of the show. Mm-hmm. And is there something that you learned or maybe saw in young kids that makes them like a specific program? You know, Sesame Street, obviously, some shows have an educational background. Mm-hmm. Some, some have people consulting for educational mm-hmm. purposes. And some are just, you know, for enjoyment. And, you know, now there's the whole trope of stick an iPad or a in front of a kid used to be plop your kid down in front of the TV. Oh, yes. What do you think about children's... Is there a reason why Scooby-Doo, you think... Two-part question. Why did Scooby-Doo become my thing? Right. And is there something that you think children's programming does well because of that? Like, what's the best of it? When I was young, there were not, of course, as many early childhood programs. You only had under six you would find. Um, I guess Scooby was one of them, but I don't remember. And you had Saturday morning cartoons. And on on the weekday, you did not have cartoons. You would only be able to find uh, Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, high quality, early childhood programs, and some that were not so high quality. So as we got into early 2000s you can imagine how poor quality you would find on television terrible things for kids so what is it about scooby that i i like for you and that i like in general is that this is this was your first introduction to stories characters But it was easy for a two-year-old brain, three-year-old brain, four-year-old brain to understand it because the stories were predictable. The music, it had everything. It had mystery, but not too scary. It was funny. It had a dog. I mean, come on. 
a dog for a boy. Excellent. It had the same colors every time you watched it. Everybody had their uniform. You could predict who was going to wear what. You could predict in the story Velma would lose her glasses. Predictability and routine and structure is very important for young children in books, in stories, in music, repetition. And this had exactly the right formula. And you always took two good stories, two good um, music, two character development. And you still do today. What you're saying is I have great taste. Thank you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So something that we've talked a lot about, because Kaylee... And it was funny. Oh, yeah. Right? So you had humor. Yeah. Something that Kaylee and I have talked a lot about was with the original series, you're talking about the predictability yes. the and how there's... series. Yeah. That it goes... That it's predictable. At the end, they unmask someone. It's a right. person. That's what makes it less scary, too. In some of the movies that we've been watching from more modern times even mm -hmm. that late 90s period yeah. that we love uh that my generation really mm -hmm. loves a lot of the movies have real monsters it's like it ends with like a real monster it's not a person under a mask it's like a real ghost it's a real witch it's mm -hmm. something like that and then they kind of sparsed out these scooby eras after that to kind of reboot it with you know what's new scooby-doo which i watched a lot of which was the tv show yes. And I was really curious, do you think that kind of rebooting it, you know, seeing it today, I, I stopped watching, there was a live action Cartoon Network one, and that's kind of when I stopped watching, but do you think that when there's real ghosts or real things, or that when they're, like, they do those live action movies that they did in the theaters, mm -hmm. do you think that kind of tarnishes a bit for kids? Does that make it a lot harder to get them into it, or do you think it... Mm -hmm makes it easier for kids to get into it and then see this older well, one. Well, those movies were not target yeah. audiences for children. Yeah. That target audience was, was adults. for teenagers, yeah. older teens, and adults who wanted to relive and have a fun time remembering Scooby-Doo. Yeah, because if you it, watch the late Scooby. 90s ones and then you try to watch the early, no, yeah. the, they, the early 90s ones are much better, obviously animation-wise, yes. pacing-wise, but I think it's... It's very hard if you start with the newer ones to get you into that older stuff. And do you think it just, it's kind of like biting their, it's kind of like putting their foot in their mouth in a way? No, it, it, had, it had a specific audience for those. And actually, every series that they did was kind of a different, meant for a different generation and a different audience. So you just got lucky. <laughs> There's also, there's a great article about why Scooby-Doo, I'm going to link it, about why Scooby-Doo persisted for so long in the series and why it still goes Classic, on. right. And so I... It the, evolved yeah. with different generations at different times. Yeah, yes. and that's one of it. And I, starting this, doing it with Kaylee, I didn't realize, I've gotten messages from people, just friends of mine, that are saying, can I be on the podcast? I love mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo. I had no idea that this many mm -hmm. people, I thought it was, I didn't think it was a niche thing. Everyone's aware of who Scooby-Doo is. I think the majority mm -hmm. of people know. But I didn't realize that this many people that I just personally knew really enjoyed watching Scooby-Doo as a kid or watched super niche specific things that I also watched. Do you think there's a reason that either 
your generation slash the generation that came just before you mm-hmm. or my generation really took to this because it's yes. two very different likings of the same thing. Yes. That's well put. Two different likings. However, these characters remained the same. No matter how they tried to change these, the music changed, of course, because it's a different generation. Maybe the comedy, the shticks changed, but the, the overall essence is that these five characters are your friends. They became your friends. So no matter what generation you watched it in, those five people remained your buddies. They were your friends. They could have changed a witch, a creeper, it didn't matter. They were still your your good friends and wanted to have a Scooby snack in the end. It's the same common theme. And I wanted to ask you because you have a degree in, uh, you have a graduate degree in early childhood development. Yep. And I was really curious because you weren't a mom who was strict about what we could watch. No. There were a few things you hated, but not because they were bad or they had bad adult themes in them. You just personally didn't like them. Mm-hmm. Bubby, my gra- your mom, my grandmother, hated SpongeBob. Again, not because, but because she thought it was annoying, not because mm-hmm. this the same woman who says mm-hmm. she hates Wheel, Wheel of Fortune, you ask her why, and she goes, I don't know. But I'm very curious as someone who is, you know, entrenched mm-hmm. and did a lot of reading and working with children, is there a reason you weren't strict on what we could watch? Or is there a reason that you didn't push us to watch or do certain things? I think because I was the latchkey generation of the 80s and we were raised by the television, not by our parents. Our parents were not home ever. Great. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, but we were raised on television. How could I, somebody who love, I love television. How could I say to my kids and be a hypocrite and be like, no, we're turning that off. We're not watching that. I love all television. So I'm a big part of that genre. Um, and a big part, I guess, also for early childhood programming, Sesame Street high quality, good programs, absolutely. Even Barney. People hated Barney. I <laughs> loved Barney. Loved it. Never never got old. And on the Scooby-centric side of that, something that I remembered a lot as a kid was we had a lot of DVDs. Mm-hmm. And I remembered most of the things I watched, aside from the series, were direct-to-DVD things that were like, you know, five bucks or less that you bought uh, that they sent out direct-to-DVD. Obviously, that doesn't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's direct-to-video now. So Scoob was the newest movie. It came out on HBO Max, but at first they wanted people, you know, to rent it or buy it mm-hmm. on iTunes and places like that. Do you think because there's a difference in culture now where they're streaming and it's kind of more like, pickup uh unless you go looking at dvd covers and this looks nice i remember going to blockbuster and seeing all the scooby covers Mm. and that was like a big deal to me do you think that there's a going to be a difference or there is in what kids watch 
because of that? Because even I know when you're streaming, there's virtually everything, but also you have a hard time finding things that even you like the same time. So do you think for kids, something like Scooby, does that make it harder or easier for kids to pick up something and find something that they just like watching or they're interested in or on their own or maybe as a parent? Oh, I would imagine for sure just the facts. There's just too much out there. It's overwhelming, right? So it comes down to what are the parents putting on for their kids. So ultimately, they're going to want to put on things that they want to watch, that they want to hear in their house, right? They're they're in charge of that, not just the remote, but all the devices in the house. And they kind of navigate their children to things that they like to look at and enjoy. So ultimately, I think parents want to see things that they watched when they were young. I think the nostalgia factor comes into play with shows with kids. I mean, there's, there's show, uh, well, Paw Patrol is very popular. That's new. Kids are going to enjoy what they want to enjoy, but parents will still put on the old classics that they think are old classics of their day because they want to watch it too. And, and also keep in mind, Scooby-Doo had so many books. You had tons of books when you were young and they were Scooby, beautiful colors and pictures. You loved looking at them. That was a huge factor. What books are the parents buying for their kids? Probably not Scooby-Doo, but I don't even think that they would be out on the shelves. At a, at a library or a Barnes and yeah, Noble, no. Not. So that factors into it. The marketing, toys. Yeah, I was going to get into merchandising, oh my which the we're merchandising. we are sitting behind, so, a, in front of a closet. Well, could you go to a toy store and find? Yeah, a, you could. Scooby Doo toys. Uh, it'd be harder. You'd find Paw Patrol. Yeah. What well, the companies want to market. Let me just say, we're sitting yes. in front of a closet that has all of my old toys. Right. It's in like four huge bins, they were and all Scooby. Ironically, I picked out one of them that's Scrappy Doo. That from I know, but it's it was just a funny one. And ironically, picked it out for the first episode of this when we started it. Mm-hmm. And then you put out those photos of my second birthday cake. And it's on the, my second birthday cake. Oh, that's so funny. It's like 19 years so old, that toy. So you loved uh, to hold the toys in your hands. The fig- they were figurines. And you called them your hymn guys. Yeah, I don't remember this. And your hymn guys were always two in one fist, two in the other fist. But if it was that creeper, he was huge. So one in <laughs> one hand and two in the other. And always Scooby, Shaggy. Not so much Velma and Daphne, and always a villain. And you spent your imagination of those stories. You were not as verbal at two, and you would talk to yourself, and you would babble and gargle words and go pachoo, pachoo, and hit your hands against the other hand with your hymn guys. And you would create these stories for hours, for years. Scooby stories you were creating from your head, which helps you today to where you're studying today, television and film, which is characters and stories, which started with Scooby-Doo. It started with creating that imaginary place in your head, creating Scooby stories with these characters and the villains and the murder mystery and 
these fabulous, humorous, and scary stories in your hands. You had it tangible. I don't think kids today would have Scooby-Doo figurines in their hands, which would impact watching Scooby on, on television, as you were saying, asking me before, because it all comes down to the merchandising, the books, the figurines, the toys, the cars. Yeah. Yeah, and just a fun question, because we're looking at this photo. Do you have a favorite Scooby-Doo character, Mom? Is there one that you really enjoy? <laughs> it's, it's superficial. I always like Daphne. <laughs> Ooh. That's kind of funny. But also, something... I never... I, I actually... You didn't ask me who I disliked. Oh, well, you're going to throw someone under the bus? I... Yeah. I never cared for Shaggy. Oh. Is it the facial hair? Yes. I knew it. I just... He, you think he's gross, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> he was uh, unshaven, it's a 60s unshowered. Hippie thing. He was didn't eat properly. <laughs> well, he, he eats was, everything. He That's was a man job. child. How yeah. old was he? How old was he? So yeah, so here's my thing. They call them teenagers a lot. Right. But they're all so the photo we're looking at from the original series, they're dressed up in sixties things. Fred's wearing a scarf. Correct. And that... That's not a scarf. It's an ascot. But they, they call it a scarf sometimes. And he's... <laughs> his... All of them maintain the same look. 50 some mm-hmm. odd... You know, however many years later, no matter what point, they've changed it sometimes. They've changed the animation style. They've changed the story. Sometimes they're on vacation. They're wearing right. something different. But they mm-hmm. still have the same 60s quality to them. And do you think... That impacts, you were talking about the nostalgia factor. Does that impact if kids, do you think, will watch it? Because I'm sure there's someone working with the Scooby-Doo IP and is thinking about how they can make it fresh. Mm. Do you think that the predictability of what a character is going to wear, what they're going to say, what they're going to do, is that more important? Or do you Mm -hmm. think that the 60s look for kids now by keeping it the same, it's just such a cultural difference that it's a turnoff for kids in their mind? Yeah. I think so. They you think it's which one? They, they can't relate to that. But what they can relate to is the friendships that all of them have. Again, going back to their dynamic, their chemistry, their friendships. That's classic. No matter what they wear, an ascot, his uns- you know, his scruff uh, beard on his face, her headband, the eyeglasses. It, it, that doesn't matter. That's it. That doesn't matter. It's it's the friendships that they have between each other, helping each other out in tough situations, being silly together, dancing together, singing together. They were friends. Weren't they good yeah. friends? Scooby and Shaggy, their relationship and, and the chemistry between Daphne and, and Fred and the mystery with, with that. But yet they were good friends. They were best friends. Were Daphne and Velma best friends well i think they're all friends you know uh i don't know they didn't ever really yeah they're all like there's movies they're on the The you know they're all they're all in a gang that's the the whole thing is together yeah that's what's gonna last no matter how they change it to appeal to a new generation which they have they did in the 70s 80s 90s sure yeah it's it's doesn't matter what they're wearing it's it's the the predictability comes in the characters and the friendship. 
Yeah, because I thought when you said this a few days ago, talking about the predictability, which we said a lot now, because we, when we watch the movies back, Kaylee and I have been watching so many, mm. that not only do they get very predictable, but we consider that to be boring, and you made me think of it differently. Oh, no. Yeah. It's very important. Because for a kid, it helps yes. to keep them just wanting to come when back, you, basically. If, God willing, Ben, you will have children. <laughs> When you buy them or borrow from the library books, they will want the same book every time. They will want to be read to the same book every night. Brown Bear, Brown Bear. All the Good Night Moon, the famous popular books will still be popular because they like the predictability over and over again. They want to know what happens next and that's how they learn. That's how. That's the best way that they learn. Children learn through predictability. They learn through reading the same words over and over. They study it. They learn it. And when they're done learning, that's when they will choose to move on. You chose to move on to other shows. It was 2008-ish. Right? Because yeah. you learned everything you could from Scooby-Doo. And then you were done. And then you moved on and you evolved to your age to the next level, which was kindergarten, actually. That would be the next level, approximately. Yeah, I was still watching Scooby-Doo, though. Yes. But it was... But then you, you expanded, because that's what children do, and that's how they learn. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Then it was a lot of Disney, too. Toys and stuff. Fetch with Ruffman. Yeah, Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. For anyone that knows not PBS, that's a big deal. It's a big deal to me. Right. And something I just... about eight. Yeah. Something I just want to point out is, uh, like, many months ago, I came down to the basement that we're in right now, Mm -hmm. and on the couch was my dad, Jeff Kessler, your husband, Mm -hmm. and he was on the couch watching What's New Scooby-Doo, and he was like, oh, he was grumbling. I said, what are you doing? He said, I didn't get any sleep. <laughs> and he was watching, he was watching. What's New Scooby-Doo, which yeah. was really funny to me. Uh, just because that's something I would watch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like I've been surprised at how much I learned about people that I didn't know doing this. About how many people are just aware. Like, we all have this kind of cultural knowledge in the back mm-hmm. of our heads that we don't recognize. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of all do when you break it down to the bare bones right and then it's like well how do you either take advantage of that or how do these big companies take advantage of that and you know they're doing a scooby-doo with a courage the cowardly dog if you remember that yeah Yeah, which was a cartoon network show and i was like oh that's okay that's i'm i'm excited for that one but i love that yeah i i'm they're still doing like direct to video ones which is i think really cool because it's i remember specifically the direct-to-DVD one. I remember the one I talked about with David was Aloha Scooby-Doo, which my number mm-hmm. one memory of that movie mm-hmm. is feeling the DVD cover that we yeah. have right here. Right. Because that, you needed a visual. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And just the touch of the DVD mm-hmm. and stuff and putting mm-hmm. it, that was a big deal. That's all That's all the questions I have for you, Mom. You don't have anything to plug. Sometimes I ask people to plug their, their doing something. Uh, no, but, you know, it took some coercing, this is why we're not doing video, but thank you so much for doing this. Pleasure. 
Good luck. <laughs> and yeah, you're a big TV fan. I, yes. Hopefully, I can make something that you'll like to watch. And you'll come down. You'll you know, because you you, you really look forward to watching things. And I think that's yes. that's another big thing too. Is mm-hmm. even the crappy things that we watch, mm-hmm. people are like talking about how crappy something was. And I think it's just like for me, it's Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has their own thing. Your thing's General Hospital, which you could talk about for hours. Yes. But I think I realize everyone not only has their own thing mm-hmm. in TV and in general. Mm-hmm. But talking to people about that thing or talking to people when they see you talk about your mm-hmm. thing, it's like, it's just a lot of fun. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's a really exciting time. Right. So maybe we'll do a general hospital deep dive. Who knows? I listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send this to them. Yeah. Okay, Why well, not? normally Kaylee does the outro. I'm going to end it here. She's great. <laughs> Kaylee's great. Thanks so much, Mom. You're and welcome. we'll be back next time with another episode of a pod named Scooby-Doo.